following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. You know, I've been very reflective and uh, thinking about a lot of things this week since Sunday and, of course, the Sunday that is on its way. Um, And, you know, many times days drag by but years fly by. But memories, memories are timeless. They have no time. And I've been reflecting on a lot of things, and they say one of the signs of getting old is that you think about things then and not things up here. But I'm not old. But I've been reminiscing about the wonderment and the fantastic God that has blessed this church in our ministry here and blessed our lives. I just absolutely get overwhelmed. Coming to speak tonight is a is a is a just he's my best friend. He's my best male friend. There's none like Patty. Nothing's going to ever take her place, but this guy is amazing. He's an amazing guy. We met 1975, added up. That's 45 years ago. That's a long time to be a friend. And it takes a long time to build a gate when you're putting fences up to keep things in the barn and in the house. And we've built, we've built gates. We have built relationships. He came to be with me when I lost my brother, he was there with me when I lost my family. I was privileged to be with him when they lost their only daughter. There's something about a bridge that happens in friendships, in time. It really is true that old friends are best friends. And even though he and his wife, sweet wife Sherry, could not be here on Sunday, I wanted him to come and speak on this Wednesday night. Because this was what I wanted. I wanted Ron Lyles to come. Many times he comes when I'm out of town because he's a, he's a great substitute teacher. You can get him out of the bullpen. He's ready to preach. But I need to ask him a question. Did you jump out of any planes coming down here this time? Not a chance. All right, all right, buddy, good. Would you do me a favor and stand to your feet? I love this man. He's my friend. He's like a brother from another mother. Would you welcome Bishop Ron Lyles? I love you, buddy. Preach the gospel to him. Let's give it up for the Lord Jesus tonight at CLC. God bless you. Please be seated. And what a distinct joy it is for Sherry and I to be back at a place that is just like home to us, and uh, I am very aware of the fact that uh, if there is any love given to us here, it is because Pastor Rex and Patty love us, and they have opened up the doors of CLC and your hearts to so many people and we fall in that category 
Uh, we are loved here, and I have sense enough to know that because they love us. And uh, this is probably the most unique place that I ever go. Uh, you don't find this in a whole lot of places on a Wednesday night in a major American city. I still say that CLC is really the place to be. And I give honor to the leadership of this house, Pastor Rex and Patty, celebrating 30 years this weekend as the lead pastors of this church. Uh, what a record that is. And Pastor Brad and Cass and this entire team, I salute you. And uh, I've already been on a tour of uh, the new building and uh, uh, we're going to be back to help dedicate the new sanctuary in just uh, a little while. And uh, this place is only going to get bigger and better uh, because when God's people get together, good things happen. And so tonight, I'm honored to be here. Last uh, Wednesday was awesome around here, I heard. How many of you were here for a night of worship? Last, last Wednesday and, and heaven came down and uh, touched lives and hearts in a unique way and now it is my assignment uh, to pick back up in the middle of a series that we are a part of in which we are talking about Solomon's secrets, the secrets of a wise man. And I would just like to, I'd just like to infer to, tonight at the outset that we live in an ever-increasing age of knowledge. Knowledge is increasing at a rapid pace. But the wise man said, don't just seek after knowledge but rather seek after wisdom. And so I would submit to this audience tonight that knowledge is knowing what to do, but wisdom is knowing when to do what. And we're involved in learning about the application of wisdom and the wisest man that ever lived, a man in scripture by the name of Solomon. And so we are talking this evening about how to keep your cool when things get hot. There's not anybody here tonight that really needs this lesson, is there? So for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to preach to myself, and you have the privilege of, live, uh, of listening in. Is it just me, or are people getting angrier by the minute? I was driving to breakfast the other morning, and pulled up behind two pickup trucks at a stoplight 
and two men stopped at a red light and both got out and had a literal fist fight in the middle of the street early in the morning and one knocked the other one down and I just watched the show. And he was bloodied up and they both got back in their trucks and drove off. And I said to myself, wow, things are really getting crazy. I don't think that we should say tonight that we are unaware or we are without warning about the times that we are now living in because anyone that dares to study or read the good book will find out that the Bible tells us that in the last days perilous times, dangerous times, scary times will come. And so therefore we are all made aware of the fact that yes, indeed, if we will just look around us, we understand that these are some of the literal signs that we are racing the rapture and that we are living in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. It seems like to me that our nation is so angry. People are mad. They're mad all the time. They're filled with internal rage and they seem to have a seething under the surface and then that leads to outburst of anger. I am to the point now that Sherry will not even allow me while we are driving together to talk with my hands inside the car. Because she says, Ron, you use your hands so freely that someone is going to think you are offering the royal salute. (laughs) And road rage will become a part of our history. And is there anyone in the house tonight that you have heard about the famous Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. I've had one of them. They're hard to get. And now I understand that they've had fights breaking out as people stand in line to try to get one of these chicken sandwiches. And even there has been reported a death that occurred while people were fighting over a spicy Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. Ladies and gentlemen, that's chicken rage. That's Popeye rage. And there's just so much rage and it is all around us. Now, that might not be the case for every individual, but I address and I speak to this Wednesday night audience. 
And I tell you that for many people I have found that while maybe they are not given to the outward uh, personification of that rage and that anger and that bitterness that flashes in a moment, I would submit that there is the danger in our lives of dealing with a condition of internal anger. And over time, I have found that as anger lies beneath the surface of our lives, that it has the ability to change us. And not always for the good. When you are constantly allowing an internal seething in your life to predominate the affairs and the aspects of your life, you will find that you will gradually lose a sense of peace. And there will be a constant spirit or feeling of strife within. And then when somebody pushes you emotionally, then that's when it comes to the surface. That's the reason that I have come tonight to this Wednesday night service to say that I believe that one of the greatest answers for the internal situation of anger and bitterness and rage is found in God's anger answer. And I'm going to go to the New Testament before we flash back to the old covenant and pick up Solomon's secrets. But Ephesians chapter number 4 is where I invite your attention tonight for God's answer for anger. And the Bible gives us an insight into what we need to know about his answer for anger. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 26 says this, Be angry, and do not sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay to get angry. As long as you don't sin. But then the second part of this scripture, verse 27, nor give opportunity to the devil. It's okay to feel the fire of anger because that is a natural reaction to a perceived injustice. But the Bible gives us instructions that we can be angry, we can get hot without allowing sin to enter the equation and without allowing an open door for the enemy to come in to our lives and our hearts and our homes. And then verse 30, Paul picks up in Ephesians 4, and he said, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, but let all bitterness wrath, anger, clamor, 
and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I just came to CLC tonight to give somebody an answer, a wise answer to what you deal with in an ever-increasing world that is charged with both internal and external anger. You see, I have found that, that even God has the ability to get angry. In fact, I will tell you that God gets angry every day. He is angry at the wickedness that he sees perpetrated in our world. I believe God is not placid about his anger. I don't believe God is pulled back from his anger. In fact, I will just simply say it straightforwardly tonight that God will judge all sin because God is a God that is righteous and God is a God that is holy and God does not allow anger and bitterness to go unmentioned when it is in conflict with his eternal word. The good news is that God got so angry about sin that that anger actually propelled him to develop a plan where not any of us have to live under the assignment of anger and bitterness and malice and strife. But when we bring all of that to the foot of the cross as Pastor Brad has talked about suddenly even on a Wednesday night if you're here in this house and you've had a tough day today I just want to tell you the good news there is an antidote and there is a way to deal with your struggles bring it to the foot of the cross because God will deal with our anger there. One of the greatest examples of God dealing with anger was when God in Christ walked into the temple and he saw that his house had been turned from a house of prayer to a house of merchandise. And God in Christ welled up within the God-man And the scripture says that on two different occasions, Jesus took a whip in his hand and he walked through his house and he actually cast out those that had turned his house into a den of thieves and robbers. Don't tell me that God cannot show anger. He does show anger at those things that are against him. 
And so in my preparation for our time together, I began to think about if God's that way, what about us in a modern world? What really punches our button and what should get under our skin as Christians and followers of Christ? I want you to put on your seatbelt now and just buckle it up because I'm going to go down a little litany of what Pastor Ron thinks we ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to be stirred up a little bit about. In fact, we ought to be stirred up a whole lot about it. The first thing I want to mention is that if God can get angry over sin, if God can get angry over what's going on in our world, we ought to be able to get angry over the aborting of innocent lives both in the womb and after they are delivered out of the womb. I ought to have more response out of a Wednesday night crowd in Austin than that. Listen to me, American believers. We need to get stirred up over the fact that there are those that claim one thing with their mouth but they will not offer their vote in order to protect innocent life. Listen to me. I believe that all life is precious in the sight of the giver of life. The one that gives life actually is waiting on his church to awaken out of sleep and rise up and say enough is enough. I will tell you that I believe that we ought to get upset over the pornography business. That has wrecked an entire, an entire generation of individuals. And it's time for us to say to hell no more. No more will we live in bondage to the pornographers of the world. I believe that we ought to get upset and angry over the persecution of Christian believers worldwide that right now, this very moment around the world are being persecuted because of their faith in exponential numbers. I believe that we as a church ought to get upset and angry over injustice of all kinds. I believe that we ought to do everything within our power to extricate our world and our nation from the blight of human trafficking. It should make us angry that tonight young men and young women find themselves in the throes of being trafficked in their lives all around. And finally, I will say it publicly, that I believe emphatically with every cell of my body that we ought to get angry over racial prejudice and racial hate. It ought to make us angry and stir righteous indignation in our souls as believers that there are still those that want to divide us as God's children. I don't know how you feel about it, but when I walk in this place 
and I look at a cacophony of people that come from every race and every background and every nation, what I get a sense of is just a little feeling that this is what heaven is going to be like. What do you say, CLC? Let's get angry at what the enemy wants to do to divide us. Verse number 26 of Ephesians chapter 4 says, But do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't allow anger to live in your house. I've discovered as a pastor that so many people live year after year with some kind of anger that it is the number one problem in the American church because angry people constitute angry churches. If you're a part of a, a body of believers, that doesn't do drama. We just don't do drama. What we're about is not allowing the sun to go down on our anger. The Lord taught me this lesson after about 15 years of marriage. I was in the slow learners class. Some of you act like you were in the fast, in the fast learners class. I know you. Especially if you're a male. Just go to the back of the bus, man. Go to the back of the room. Sherry and I were raised in two different home settings and we all become a product of of the way we were raised. And she was raised in an environment where, where her dad was a crusty old long distance truck driver, uh, uh, an Irishman that was about six foot two, and 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 John Owen, John Owen Collie, his favorite statement was, I'll just biff him one. He had a short fuse of anger and he was ready to settle almost any score with a fist. And, and, and Sherry by her own admission said that there was very little uh, physical demonstration of affection or love that was shown in her home. She never saw her parents kiss in public and she never witnessed any, any real affection within within the, the, the larger home dynamic. And uh, I was raised in a home where me and my brother could say anything we wanted to say. And my dad was a preacher, but he was a fun preacher. He was not a stick in the mud. And uh, 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 we were just so open about everything. And, 
And, and so when Sherry and I got married and, 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 and we started out on our, our journey, I, I soon learned that, that, man, hell could freeze over before she would apologize. She had the gift of waiting me out. And so being the slow learner that I, I am, I just played along with it there for many years. Just, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But we got into a discussion. And... Uh, she, uh, I, I, I thought this time I'm going to break her because I'm not wrong. She's wrong, and I'm going to wait till she apologizes, or this thing's not going to this thing's not going to be over. And I was angry, and I got my pillow and. My teddy bear. No, my pillow. And I went to the couch and I said, I'm going to wait till she comes in here and asks for forgiveness. Anybody know what happened? I laid there and I waited. And I waited. And I talked to the Lord a little bit about it. And I said, God, you know that she's wrong this time. Together, we're going to break this. We're going to break this. And I waited. And I waited till after midnight. And I waited till 1 a.m. And you know what? That beautiful girl right there, she never came. <laughs> and then God taught me a lesson that is just as real tonight as it was when he gave it to me. This is exactly what he said, these words. Son, why is it that you want to be the head of this house in every other area except in the area of being the catalyst for forgiveness? Can I tell you, if God ever speaks to you while you're going through an angry fit, and you're trying to do things on your own, you'll never forget his words. Could I tell you, I got up with my pillow. I went back in the bedroom. I asked her to forgive me. She asked me to forgive her, and it broke open the bondage of anger and bitterness that from that day to this 
has never been a part of our home and our family again. I just stopped by to say tonight that there is somebody in this house that needs to not allow the sun to go down on your anger. Settle the anger issue before you go to sleep tonight. Now this is how you do it. And this is the secret of Solomon. First of all, he said this. Proverbs 14 and 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. And Proverbs 19 and 11, he comes along and says, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger and it is, it is his glory to overlook transgression. In other words, the first secret of Solomon in dealing with, with, with things when they get hot is this, call an emotional timeout. Get away. If you have to, get your pillow and go to the couch so God can talk to you. Sometimes just separating yourself from the detonator. Get yourself in a different room, in a different place so that you can fill your bucket of water up instead of your bucket of gasoline up. And everyone has a bucket of gasoline and they have a bucket of water. And Solomon says, you have to have the wisdom to know when to use which fuel, which bucket. The second thing, the second secret of Solomon that I leave with you tonight is he says, you need to analyze the source of your anger. Analyze the source of your anger. What's the source of your anger? And secondly, do I have complete and accurate information that I am dealing with? Because you see, anger is indeed a response to perceived injustice. A lot of things that I thought were really true were just perceptions. He said in Proverbs 18 and 13, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Is there anybody that has ever been guilty like I am of doing too much talking and not enough listening? Solomon says, if you want to deal with anger, you need to learn to listen first before you speak. The third secret that he gives us is this. If you're going to deal with anger in your life, you need to learn to overlook minor offenses. Everybody repeat this with me. Everything is not major you got to learn the difference between major and minor offenses. Every day, we must learn to separate the minor from the major. The famed humorist, Buddy Hackett, had a quote that gripped me in my preparation for tonight. Buddy Hackett was a funny-looking little dude. 
I used to like to watch him on TV. And he'd kind of squinch up his face and he said, I've had my share of disagreements in life, but I've, I've learned to never carry a grudge because while I was carrying the grudge, the other person was out dancing. I don't know about you, but if I've got the choice between dancing and carrying the grudge, I'll just keep on dancing. Why don't we learn the difference between major and minor? And fourthly, and finally, if you're going to deal with this anger issue and you're going to stay cool, the only way to deal with major offenses is through the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. Paul said it this way in my text. And be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted, forgiving each other. And then this is the way he put it. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Could I say publicly tonight that if you are in this house on a Wednesday evening, I want to tell you without apology that you're in a house of forgiveness and you're in a place of restoration. There's not any, there's not any big eyes or little U's in this house tonight and there's not anybody that can stand and pound our own chest and say, God, look at me. I'm without fault. And so therefore, I impress you. I know that your pastor at the right time has talked about it. He has shared it with me privately and he shared it in his public ministry. But I was there at the dark hour of his life in which everything in his world was seemingly taken away from him on a Friday afternoon and the loss of his wife and his precious son Justin and uh, a car accident and Dallas and, 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 and the story is a long story but could I tell you that that story did not end just in tragedy that story went on for many years and it revolved around back to this house in Austin, Texas, where the very person that had taken the love of his life and the most precious gifts out of his life came and here in this house asked for forgiveness. And God allowed a spirit of forgiveness to flow from the leadership of this church and turned it around. There is no accident. I'm going to say it publicly tonight. There is no accident that this house is full on a Wednesday night because we are all just fellow travelers trying to get a grip on hope and trying to say, God, I need your wisdom in my life. Would you stand all over the room? Would you stand all over the room?
Wow. Is anybody in the room that could lift your hand and say, Pastor Ron, God has forgiven me of so very much, so very much. When we're tempted to be unforgiving, when we are tempted to hold those grudges, just remember that the whole essence of the gospel is that God in Christ came to forgive us when we were without hope and lost in this world. I listened to a song this afternoon. Never heard it before, but I close with these words. It's by a group called We the Kingdom. The name of the song is Holy Water. Some of you are shaking your head. This is what the, the chorus says. Your forgiveness is sweet, is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. And like the sound of a symphony to my ears, like holy water on my skin, like holy water on my skin. I don't know who you are tonight and I don't know what battle you fought. Maybe you fought that battle of anger today and maybe it's flared up because researchers say that every one of us deal with anger eight to ten times per day in some form. But I just came by tonight to simply say that the wise man said there is an antidote for anger and bitterness and strife. And I proclaim it in the name of the Lord on this Wednesday night that CLC shall be a place of joy and freedom. It shall be a place of power and victory. Let's give it up for the Lord Jesus tonight.